In this edition of the podcast, commemorating the 75th anniversary of India's independence, Shaka Ankaga at the Powerhouse Museum explores the role that textiles played in India's movement towards independence from colonial rule. In addition to their beauty, many of the textiles included in the exhibition incorporate spinning, weaving, dyeing and embroidery techniques featuring rare items that date back to the foundational collections of the powerhouse acquired since the 1880s, some of which are on display to the public for the very first time. I'm Tim Stackpool and this is Inside the Gallery. Thanks very much for downloading the podcast once again. And this time, we're back in the Powerhouse Museum on Gadigal land, so I'd like to pay my respects to the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation and acknowledge their elders past, present and emerging. Now, I'm in the Powerhouse Museum to catch up with a, a dear friend. I don't want to say an old friend, but a dear friend of the podcast. It's Pedram Kozronajad, who's the curator of Persian artifacts at the Powerhouse Museum. If you don't recall Pedram, he's appeared on the podcast in the past before. He is a socio-cultural and visual anthropologist. He has various visual arts degrees out of Tehran, but he did move to France in 2000. He's got his PhD from the Sorbonne in Paris, and he's been working here at the Powerhouse Museum since about 2020, I think, and I'm just going to track him down now because he's got a very interesting exhibition underway at the Powerhouse. Pedram, good to see you again. Thank you so much. I welcome you and your audiences to the Chakha and Karga 75th anniversary of Indian Independence exhibition. Now, I'm having a look around. We're looking at Indian textiles, right? However, you are the curator of Persian artifacts here at the Powerhouse in Sydney. You're going to tell me there's a bit of a connection there, right? Yes, uh, well, in museums, in the entire world, it's rare to have someone assigned, let's say, to Persian art or Indian art. But we need to define what's the Persian art first. And Persian art is not only Iran today. It covers the culture of countries that we call them the Persianate societies probably covers countries that today in 21st century is people speak Farsi. They practice Persian culture, calendar, traditions and ceremonies which covers from Xinjiang, China, the Uyghur people, majority of countries of Central Asia, majority of countries surrounding the Caspian Sea, Neighboring countries of Iran, Afghanistan, Pakistan, India, Turkey, Iraq, some countries of Persian Gulf countries, and some of the countries of South Asia. Because until very recently, let's think Pakistan didn't exist as a result of colonialism. Indian borders was bigger. And we're back to 16th, 17th, 18th century. Iran and India, they had very close relationship, uh, especially during the Islamic period, Mongol period of India, an exchange of culture, trade, and courts. Kings, they were very close to each other. Therefore, culturally, this part of textile history production is not far from Persia. But when it comes specifically to textile, Iran and India, they had a special interest in matter of trade, exchange, and co-production of Persian and Indian textiles. There's quite a lot here, Pedram. How many artifacts do you have in we this We have 100 objects in this exhibition. Wow. But 
is not that big because our Indian collection of powerhouse, inside this collection, we have more than 4,500 objects only from India, Gosh. which make it probably the biggest collection of powerhouse museum and probably the biggest collection of Indian objects in Australia. So let me ask you then, if there's thousands of objects in the collection, how do you choose what you're actually going to put on the floor here? The choice here was quite precise because Consul General of India in Sydney, which here I would like to thank, Mr. Manish Gupta, and the Director of the Cultural Centre, Mr. Ramanath Garj. They reached the powerhouse for the celebration of 75th anniversary of Indian independence. Can we do something? And we said yes. And as independence of India, which guided by Mohandas Mahatma Gandhi, is connected somehow directly to the textile, very specific type of textile in the name of Kadi, we were thinking, oh, this is a good occasion to do something, let's say, do something about textile, which is also connected to powerhouse Ultimo, which we work mostly on fashion, design, and textile since 60s. Therefore, I was thinking, all right, let's focus on textile. And I went to our collection, which is huge, again, collection of Indian textiles. But I had several bullet points for selecting them. First of all, I wanted to select those objects that arrived in powerhouse collection in early periods, such as, let's say, 1880s. And why was that? Because I wanted to know what we have in the collection. We never had such an exhibition dedicated per se on India and textile. And I was curious as an anthropologist curator to see what we have in the collection, you know, and bring it to the eye of, you know, uh, viewers, Indians. Let's say that there are two generations of now Indians in Australia that I know their children never returned to India. I wanted to show them the richness of their culture that we preserve in Powerhouse Collection, make them proud. And when they come here to learn about the richness of Powerhouse and their own culture through our collection. Therefore, I went from the beginning and another element of selection was which object was showcased before and which object was not showcased before. And I can confirm that majority of these hundred objects never been showcased, hmm? rarely. Then diversity of techniques used in the production and design of textile very important. Are there silk saris? Are there uh, wool pashmina? Are there tie-dye technique? Are there woodblock print technique? Are the zariduzi and embroidery with gold? Fourth object was their function. Did they have religious function, decorative function, popular daily use function? And also, we should not forget, Powerhouse Museum is a museum of applied art, science, technology, and craft. We are not art museum. Therefore, I wanted to go beyond the aesthetic of Indian textile. Because as soon as we say Indian textile, based on two factors, 
two elements which is very popular, Orientalism and colonialism, we go to the beauty of Indian textile, fashion. Me as a curator, anthropologist, wanted to go to techniques, technologies of crafting, creating Indian textile, design and production. And choose only one function of Indian textile. This is why you see some garments here in the exhibition. So then how have you divided up the various objects that you've got in this exhibition? From the entrance of exhibition, when you come in, in the right side, you see some stairs, like a step. And the left side, you have some beautiful arches in the architecture world, which are part of powerhouse beauties. First, I sat down with the designer of the exhibition to help him to get a glimpse of traditional architecture of India during 18th century and how he can interpret the exhibition space and use these beauties. And this is what you see at the moment. These steps are not like normal steps in museums and galleries. They were made by the based on Indian textile workshops. Wow, so even the, the plinths that you've created yes. are, are to reflect the, yes. the, the, style of, the style of exhibition pieces that you have. Yes, exactly. They are really adopted. As I said, these steps you see beside, for example, Indian rivers, where they wash a specific type of Indian textile on those rivers and left them to be dry in sunshine. Or here, if you see these arches beautifully, we hang the full-length saris. They are based on Indian textile weaving, where they hang the textile. Or if today you go to modern Indian shops, this is how they... So the design was part of curatorial debate. How a curator based on Indian, you know, something vernacular culture could be adopted for such a specific exhibition. So... We don't have separate divisions in this exhibition. We wanted to create a hybrid space when visitors come in, fly, swim between objects and enjoy different things and learn. Right side of exhibition is dedicated to the diversity of techniques of production and decoration of Indian textiles. Woodblock print, embroideries, tie-dye techniques. But I wanted to go beyond that and connect the past to the present because Indian textile trade is still very strong in India. This is why you see in the exhibition I included packaging of the textile. Interesting. And how in such an exhibition we can go beyond only the beauty. So packaging always was part of beauty of Indian textile. And these objects are those that we didn't have here. And I should say here thank you uh, to Liz Williamson, who is the, I call, goddess of Indian textile. Professor at UNSW dedicated uh, her life to the Indian textile and techniques of textile weaving and production. And nicely she loaned us those contemporary and more technical aspects of Indian textile that we didn't have in our collection. Wonderful. So packaging are one of them. The other, for example, you can see here that I would like thanks Deborah Bennett, 
PhD candidate in textile weaving at the UNSW that we are showcasing footage of her PhD that's showing us woodblock print techniques in India. That's the video that's running. That's the video is running. This is how curatorial strategy to engage the viewer. This is not like if screens you have in normal show an artist. This is because as you can see in showcases, we have the woodblock prints from our collection and we have the textiles that show the products of that but people need to make connection between these two and Deborah's footage beautifully showcased besides woodblock prints and the textiles of woodblock prints therefore today Indians the young children and non-Indians when they come here they can say objects of the collection and contemporary India and connect it visually together hybridity in this exhibition was important for me I think the other thing that the, the video shows as we stand here watching it is the level of dedication and patience that's required exactly. to, put, to, to create this, well, these let fabrics. Me, let, you, you really mentioned something interesting. Let's see how Deborah titled his project and this footage. Process and Patience, Weaving a Pashmina Shawl, filmed by Deborah Emmett. So, this film shows a Nagash draftsman woodblock printing traditional designs onto the hand-woven shawl ready for embroidery. Yeah, I didn't even actually see this didactic, but it so, does say, as you said, excerpt from process and patience. So, time is very important. But another thing that we will see in real time, in, I mean in this screen, is the techniques and technology which is in India back to thousand years ago. Still, the technique is very human. And it's very basic, but rich. Yeah, I can see the practitioner. He's putting some ink on his hand. and Warm then, it. Oh, he's first, warming it. Because the ink is very solid. Make it soft, put it on wood, but again, reduce that with you know, his palm before put it on so the yes, textile. Yes, he puts, he puts the ink from his palm onto the wood block and yeah. then pushes the wood block onto, on the, onto the fabric. On, on the fabric. Yeah. Another important point in our exhibition is in very end of exhibition, right side, which is dedicated to Gandhian movement. This space shows the importance of Kadi textile, the humble one, that after Gandhian's movement became very symbol of uh, independence. And in this regard, we should not forget the importance of charcha, the spinning wheels okay. in the Gandhian movement, which we have probably here one flat one um, in our collection. And this is a type of flat spinning wheel that we see in the footage when Gandhi is sitting and use the similar one. So to describe this, it's, a, it's about a, a metre long. It folds in half. Yes. Two small weaving wheels. Yes. And, and that's about it. Very portable, not much. Very smaller portable. than a laptop it, bag today. It is. And the point for Gandhi to make a national call, Indians, make your own spinning wheels, make this simple cardi cotton was for being independent from mm. colonialism. Therefore, you see, yes, simple object can make something beautiful and it's very symbolic for the movement. So in this space, we try to somehow show the importance of textile in independence of India. But 
as you can see also on the wall in this stage again I should say thank you to Indian Minister of Media they donated 62 uh, documentary films to Powerhouse collection all regarding the different techniques of textile weaving textile production in India and what we have here in exhibition showing the importance of charcha at the spinning wheel in the history of Gandhian movement prior to independence and after independence. So we're looking at black and white footage here of these various spinning wheels, which date back to when, Pedram? Just help me here. Uh, 1940s. Okay, in the 1940s. and yet what we see in this film. And those particular methods, uh, of which there are hundreds of people in this footage, uh, weaving and spinning, we can actually see those weaving and spinning machines in this exhibition. Yes, exactly. And this is this will happen uh, arrive very late. We didn't know we will get it or not. But I'm very happy, you know, that we have it because now uh, viewers can see the exhibition, visit this section dedicated to Chahan Kadi, and then sit down and look what is really happened in Indian contemporary history from the beginning very uh, really basic charcha to very modern ones as you can see. They're inspiring me actually if I can weave on something so small or bring one of these things home. Yes, you, uh, everyone love want to touch that you know charcha here I know it's very you know uh, very basic or very beautiful. Let's bring to attention of your audiences two major important elements of exhibition team one is as a curator again i wanted to see how we can create our collection from past to the present these hundred textile of exhibition collected by powerhouse during five major periods 1880s 1920s 1950s and 1980s in the matter of production, where these objects, when produced, 14th century, 15th century, 16th, 17th, until early 19th. So when you look at it, how you can connect the past to the present, this is true that this footage helped a little bit, but I invited two contemporary artists, young Indian photographer Anu Kumar, that you can see four of her beautiful photographs in exhibition, the project that she titled Gar, it means home. She's a Melbourne-based photographer. She returned to her homeland in India with her family, photographed her family members. Beautifully, she depicted her family members in the pictures where they are using beautiful Indian textiles with the motifs and images. But the second artist, uh, uh, which is eminent artist, and we are very proud, is Gita Sandregesa, Melbourne-based artist uh, with Indian heritage. And the name of her installation is What Falls from the Sky. And you uh, need to describe this because it's quite spectacular. It's spectacular and unique. And I'm happy to let you know now this installation is part of Powerhouse Collection. What we have here in front of us is amazing installation of five long full-length khadi and silks, all made in India, but dyed by Sangeeta here, in the sign of immigration and integration. The green and blue colors are pigments, mostly Indian indigo from India, and that beautiful orange uh, brown that we see in the middle, we call it Australian cherry. 
And this is a sign of, you know, like immigration and integration of non-Australian ingredients, pigments, and Australians who are dying. It's very beautiful. What falls from the sky is very poetic. And I'm very happy that we placed the installation in this part of exhibition that when you come to the gallery, you see everything. Then here you see something like comes from paradise. You know, they are free to fly. And sometimes they go really fly with the wind in the exhibition as space. And we are very proud that uh, we have these two contemporary artists with us in this exhibition. When I spoke to you about Iranzamin a year or so ago, however long ago that was, I did ask you whether the type of art that we were seeing in Iranzamin, whether that is still present in Persia today. I think you're kind of making the point with having these modern pieces in here that the artisans of India, whose work we're seeing here dating back almost a century or more, as you say, yes, that that level of artistic merit still exists today. Yes. This, India is, I think, land of magic, which is still we have amazing master craftsmen. Technology in India and in, is very ancient. When they are created in area that we call it Mohanjudaru and Harappa in India, still when you go to humble workshops all around India for textile weaving, for metal work, for ceramic, for clay, they use local, very simple, humble material and tools. Tools of crafts and technology in India is like intact like thousand years ago. And nowhere else, I think, in the Middle East, you can see such a existence and well-rooted of technologies and related tools. Indians are very lucky to have such a thing. Even country was colonized, but culture always was much more stronger than external forces. No, nothing has been crushed. No. I, I know it's hard to have a favorite piece, but was there one particular piece that you uncovered out of the thousands that were here, which actually, I, I guess, took you by surprise, or you were so pleased to be able to discover that was part of the collection? Let's talk about three groups. First group are here in front of us, which back, I told you, first series of objects acquired by Powerhouse from India, 1886. When it's still powerhouse was not powerhouse, one of our first curators was a botanist, famous Australian botanist, Joseph Maiden. He wrote a letter to Indian government, Sir, I'm a botanist and I would love to have some natural things from nature, fauna of India in our collection. They sent this beautiful material that you can see in flask in front of us, three different type of cottons, normal cotton, content silk, and the other ingredients which are for dyeing textile. Mm. So we're almost looking at a scientific display here. There's, yes. There's, what, eight, eight large-sized vials? Yes. Sealed glass vials, which are showing scientific specimens. Yes, exactly. And they were unknown before this exhibition because they were not even on the system. So when we went through what I call archaeology of the collection, 
We found them, we cleaned them, and this is what marvelous things that you have in front they, they could of be you. seen the light of day for the very, very first, first time. Very first, this is first time that we showcase them and bring them to the attention of the audiences. The story behind the discovery of them is a completely new chapter, a whole different chapter in this yes. exhibition. And, and this is relevant really to Powerhouse Collection where we have five hundred thousand objects half a million objects and you can imagine as a curator how lucky we are here to have such a collection and we can just dive into it and bring something new to the attention of all audiences with 21st century curating beyond colonialism and post-colonialism let me introduce you probably to my favorite object beetle wings beetle wings are as you can imagine from the name are the wings of beetles, insects. And those used in the art are those wings that they fly with. Beetle wings, naturally after mating and put eggs, they die. The piece that you have, we have in front of us is one of the rare ones. And before this exhibition, no one knew museum in the world that we have few pieces of beetle wings here. Normally, they were collected from insects from Bangladesh and sent to India, where they produce this type of trims for being used in European countries to design the night dress of aristocrat ladies, so but mostly British ones. These are actual beetle wings. They are actual beetle woven wings. In, woven into this fabric. Woven to the fabrics for make more beautiful the decoration of aristocrat British ladies in London and other European countries. And this is the first time that we showcase in the history of Powerhouse these beetle wings. It's absolutely beautiful, and the reflections of the wings are of a, a, a green turquoise color. Spectacular. Let's bring to your attention last group of uh, important objects that we have here, which again help us to think how in 21st century curatorial can teach the audiences. Here in front of us, we have two beautiful pieces that in art history, we call them Fustat fragments. Fustat today is a region close to the capital of Egypt, Cairo. But what they are actually, they are piece of textile made in Gujarat, India, in 15th and 17th century. Woodblock print, look at the beautiful red color and deep blue and the quality of the textiles since 15th and 17th century. It's incredible. If you take a look at them, they do have pieces missing from them. There's a, a few tears in them, but considering their age, they're in remarkable condition. And this is for the first time again that Powerhouse bring these treasures from the collection and no museum knew we have them, and they will be proud to have these objects. But, but, this brings to our attention the importance and deep-rooted trade. Previously we talked about packaging, now yes. I want to bring your attention to trade. Yes. So these travel quite the distance. And the role of the Indian Ocean Maritime Route and its connections to the Red Sea Maritime Route. From the India, they went to Indian Ocean and went to Red Sea and go to Egypt. And probably from Egypt to North African countries and Europe. 
This is how we need to think in 21st century when we use the objects of the past, how we can put it in globalization, globalized history of the region. This is Indian textile, but found in Egypt. What's the role of curator to showcase them in a gallery for the viewer and connect the past to the present? In this case, there's two pieces of fabric here that date back so far. They're quite innocuous, no more than a metre square, and yet they have this most enormous history. Enormous significance for history of India, Indian Ocean trade, and globalization, which still continues between both countries, this type of trade. And let me finish with the, another hero objects that we call in this exhibition. What we have here in front of us is a unique wall hanging. Splendid mixture of Islamic art and Indian art. How Indian art observed Islamic tradition and vice versa. The general panel that you see is a dark blue, is not black. And this is a sky. The dots that we have, they are stars. In front of yourself, you have Islamic mihrab. And from top, you have beautiful chandelier hang from the roof. And in two sides, you have two groups of candles. We are in entrance of a shrine, temple, Sufi temple. And in the night, candles guiding you inside the temple. They are inviting the devotee inside for the devotion. And as is Islamic tradition, the most deepest devotional times are in your solitude during the night. So this, probably this piece was a wall hanging dedicated to a religious place, I said mostly Islamic, 19th century. And look at the beautiful art of gold embroidery. It's, it's very detailed and extremely fine. And when you see the, there are gold and there are cream, those creams are silk. Wool, silk and gold embroidery in front of us. And also this piece is for the first time that we bring to the attention of our viewers. So I think we have 100 objects, but they talk beyond centuries, beyond calendars and regions, and connect the past to the present. Pedro, it's an extraordinary exhibition. I just wonder if perhaps you're one of the busiest curators here at the Powerhouse at the moment. Not busy, but probably curious. <laughs> Everyone in, at, at Powerhouse, we are busy because yeah. we love, we do our, our exhibition with love. But I think I was lucky also, and I should thank you, our entire team, but mostly our CEO, Lisa Havela, that gave me this opportunity with our team here to have two exhibitions in the same time by one curator about the same region, you know, India and Persia. But I think it's important for us because we are talking about the richness of our collection and community engagement, two important and major elements for us because we are moving to Parramatta very soon. An Indian community, based on very recent uh, statistics, are the biggest immigrant Huge. communities. Huge. The biggest, officially now. Yeah. 
Uh, they were second, but now the first uh, community of immigrants to Australia, including Parramatta. You spoke about another exhibition by the same curator being you. That's the Kadri exhibition. And if anyone hasn't caught it already, you'll find it earlier in the list of podcasts for Inside the Gallery. You've dedicated quite a bit of time to Inside the Gallery over the past few months, Pedram, and I really appreciate that support that you've given us, and I certainly look forward to actually collaborating with you on more episodes in the future. Thank you so much, team, and I'm really grateful that you provided your platform for several exhibitions of the Powerhouse. Looking forward to our future collaboration, team. Thank you. Thank you, Pedram. That's Pedram Kozranajad. He is actually the curator of Persian artifacts at the Powerhouse Museum. But of course, today we've been talking about this uh, amazing collection of Indian textiles that he has. Pedram, sorry, just before you run away, how long is this exhibition running for? This exhibition is open until uh, January 29th, 23. Okay, so plenty of time to catch up with that. That is the podcast for now. Thank you so much for downloading once again. If you want to know more information about what's going on at the Powerhouse, just head to this website, maas.museum. That's maas.museum. Of course, the Powerhouse is part of the Museum of Applied Arts and Sciences here in New South Wales. And just click on the links to this exhibition of Pedrums. If you want to catch a transcript of the conversation that we've had, head to our website, www.insidethegallery.com.au and just look for the description of this episode. You'll find a link to the transcript you can download. Also, there are links there to our Facebook and Instagram pages and the opportunity, if you want to sign up to our mailing list, all we ever do with that is send you an alert every time a new edition is published. That is the podcast for now. I'm Tim Stackpole. Until next time, bye-bye for now. Bye-bye for now.